Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Old Chick Snowship podcast. Today, we are going inwards with my very good friend, Lisa Berkowitz, who is a soul alignment coach. And basically what Lisa does, and correct me, feel free to correct me if I butcher this, basically, is helping you let your inner knowing lead the way for you. So your soul's voice, so you can align your soul's voice to what's actually happening in your life. So welcome, Lisa. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here. And hi, everybody listening. So tell us a little bit about how you came to do what you do. I know you started life in the corporate world and would love to know kind of how that shift um, occurred for you and how you got to where you what you're doing today. Yeah, glad to. So yes, I came from the corporate world. I was on fast track to executive leadership. My path would have been very clear had I continued on that trajectory. Um, But I was also, at the time, I was really interested in personal development. And after a really challenging breakup of a relationship, my spiritual path cracked open more around meaning and purpose and the deeper me, knowing myself and what I'm here for on a deeper level started to really take hold. And it was in that phase, I ended up on, on retreat in Costa Rica. And I had this vision, I had this vision literally like download to, into my awareness. Like I saw myself no longer in corporate, teaching, leading, traveling. And it, I just had this, this clear vision of a future that looked very different than what I was living. And I trusted it. I just had this sense of I'm meant to be doing something else. And the only term I had at that time to make sense of it was I'm here to expand human potential to help people live more of their potential. And so I actually quit. I was, I'd left my job um, within two months. I quit shortly, very shortly thereafter without much of a plan, which I don't recommend to everybody, but it was my (laughs) path. It was the path I needed to take. You know, I learned a lot of lessons through that because, you know, I thought, oh, I'll take a little sabbatical six months. And it took me quite a long time to, you know, to make my own transition, but that was my journey, right? So, Mm -hmm. and then, after I left, I did training in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which was right. like a coaching certification. I studied all kinds of different things. I was, I was a voracious learner around aligning with my path. And eventually, I, I took some twists and turns. Uh, I did freelance to corporate for a bunch of years. As I continued to learn and develop my skills, I did some executive coaching as I was freelancing to corporate. And eventually, through the interesting things that life brings. So my, my main client retired and they were cutting the budget out of which I got paid to do my consulting work. And so I had to choose to do something new. And it pushed me into exclusively coaching because I had been doing some freelance mm. project management work in addition to the executive coaching. Executive coaching was smaller and the project right. management work was larger. And it kind of pushed me into what I do today, which has evolved. But ultimately, I kind of, the, the bird was pushed out of the nest. 
And I ended up really, really called and, and recognizing that I had a real gift for helping people reach deeper inside to what, what is the deeper knowing or intuition or soul's calling that you're here for? And how do you trust that mm. and make new choices in the face of all kinds of voices in the head yeah. <laughs> or well-meaning people around you who, who don't agree for sure. with that? So when you're in corporate and you have this vision of what you're supposed to be doing, did you immediately trust it? Or like, how did you get to that place where I trust this enough that I'm going to quit my job? Because I, you know, I will have, say from my experience, like I've had these visions of things where I'm just like, oh, that's nice, but I got bills to pay, right? Like, how did you get to that place of trust um, in that vision? You know, it's a great question. And I guess I'm, I'm a little bit of an odd bird on this because I I had rose-colored glasses on. I thought, Hmm. I feel this inspiration. I thought it was going to be a really fast journey to find the new thing. I had lots of money and savings. And so I used my nest egg as my fallback. Right. I just basically was like, I'm I'm inspired and excited about this. I'm going for it. It was later because it took me a while to find my bearings it was later that the fear came up because I did have fear, but the initial decision didn't mm. have, have fear in it. Later, I, I did bump up against fear. So, so maybe I'm a little different in that way in the first decision that I made, but later at other decision points, how did I navigate that? It was a decision. It, I would say the first and most important thing is the decision yeah. and the commitment. Am I going to follow my truth? Or am I going to let my fear guide me? And that's the bottom line. Yeah. Actually, I love that so much because like, it really is a decision because you can, and I know I've been in this place, get into this analysis paralysis going back and forth, back and forth between your truth and your fear and your truth and your fear, right? But at some point you need to cut it off and just say, okay, which, which thing do I want to rule my life? Trusting that fear, I mean, that truth will never lead you wrong. <laughs> and yes. I think that's the ultimate the ultimate place to be, right? It is. And, you know, and, but then the tricky thing is, okay, so well, it's, I've made it, let's say we, we've agreed. I'm going to be true to what feels right, what lights me up, however you want to say it. I'm, go- I'm not going to betray my truth. But then what do you do with the fear? Because it's real, mm-hmm. right? So that's the, I think that's the interesting thing is, so when there's an impulse or an inspiration or a commitment to follow that truth, then what do we do? Then how do we, when the fear comes up over and over again, yeah. like you don't deal with it once, it keeps coming up. <laughs> if, if only it was that easy, right? If only it just never came up after the first time, <laughs> the world will look very different. You know, yeah. people would be making a lot of different choices, but no, that's not the case. So it's to really, and we can go in whatever direction you like with this, but I just wanted to say like, it's the commitment and then it's the knowing how to keep following the truth and work with the objections, the fears that come up in the meantime. Yeah. And I definitely want to go down that path because um, a lot, there's a lot of women in this community who are feeling some kind of dissatisfaction in their life, who maybe have an inkling of something that they want to do, or maybe they don't, but they know what they're doing now is not the thing. And there's that process of trying to get in touch with whatever that truth is for you. And for some people, the truth is clear, but the fear stops them. And for other people, I, I, and, and that was true for me, is like I was so disconnected from myself that I didn't even know what my truth really was, mm-hmm. right? And so how do you counsel people, I guess, to get to that 
place that either A, they can ever uncover their truth and B, they, they can trust that truth because there's the mind and then there's the heart, right? And the mind is always talking us out of what the heart wants, like, wait, we don't believe it or it's not possible or whatever that might be. So how do we get to that place where we can begin to trust that we are safe, we're going to be protected as we navigate that, that path of truth? Yeah, super question. I would say for myself, and I I teach a lot, I coach a lot, it's a process. So firstly, give yourself the space Mm. and the kindness. So I noticed that a lot of us women, and certainly not excluding men on this, but we're speaking to, you know, your your yeah, your women, mainly women. Women, you know, women, mainly 85, women, 85% women, right? Yeah. So, you know, we have a, a, a tendency to, we can have a tendency, not everybody, obviously, but to demand so much of ourselves and mm-hmm. used to being very driven and very results oriented. And we know how to get stuff done and, and we know how to have accomplishments and so on. This is a different realm. Yeah. This realm requires the more feminine qualities like kindness to self, Mm. patience, Mm. compassion, exploration, uh, dipping into pleasure more often. It's a little bit like, and you know, maybe, maybe it's easy to use a metaphor like, you know, when you're raising a child or you have a, a pet, there's that softness, that assumption that it's going to take time to learn something. It's going to take practice to learn something. It's going to, right? So there's this, there's this like goodwill, mm-hmm. this, good, this goodwill. So I would say that's like one really key thing that comes to mind to say first right. is like, can, as we're learning to navigate more often and trust that, can I give myself the space to explore here? What, right. like in your case, you didn't know your truth. Well, can I give myself some space to like explore? Well, what is my truth? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or even if I think I know what it is, well, sometimes it's not the whole truth. Maybe the mind is interfering a little bit on what you think you want. We've inherited a whole bunch of ideas of what we think should happen, right? So that would be the first thing I would say is like, okay, let me go on this. This is more of a journey. It's a marathon more than a sprint. And, you know, you've been on this path for quite some time now. I've been Mm -hmm. on on this path quite some time now. Are we not still on this journey? (laughs) Are we not still uncovering new desires, new aspects of self, new truths, new places where old ideas still pop up and they have to be faced and accepted, right? So that I just really, I don't know, feels really important to sort of set that context. Like, Mm -hmm. can we be kind? Can we be spacious? And can we kind of look at this more like a journey than a sprint? Yeah. Then the second thing would be, I would say, sit with the question, like what? what does my truth feel like? What, because you asked about it, how do I know, how do I trust it to be able to act on it? Well, first you have to know. Yeah. And the more you know, so the more you can kind of explore, well, what is pulling me? What does excite me every time I think about it or hear about it or talk to somebody about it or, or do it, depending on what your thing is, everybody's different, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, can I be curious? Can I sit with this question? What do I love? What is pulling me? What, mm-hmm. what is this other kind of energy or interest that keeps getting my attention? Yeah. And so just practicing recognizing it. And how does it come to me? Yeah. Do, does it come to me? Like I can, right? It can come to you in all these different ways. Yeah. I don't know if you want to say something about that too. Like, yeah, it's, 
It's so interesting because I know for me, I had to start with the smallest truths to understand what it felt like. Because I was so busy before being so disconnected and living everybody else's truth, right? Like I I didn't really understand what my truth felt like in my body. And quite frankly, I thought my truth was in my head, which I have since realized is the absolute last place (laughs) that it exists. But like starting with the smallest things, because when you have that feeling of, I know what my truth feels like, then you can like, you're like, oh yeah, this is it. That's for me how I learned to trust it. And you know, like, like my truth was that I need to spend time in nature every day right? Like that feels good to me. That feels aligned. I know this with a hundred percent certainty. I don't have to think about it up here. My body knows that that is the right thing. Like I feel it in my chest. I know. And so I think that point that you're making about just practicing with it, seeing what pulls you and then practicing it. Like it's a, just like anything else, it's a skill, right? It's a learned skill. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the more you get comfortable with it and familiar with it and trusted on the smaller things, because I love that distinction, start with the little things. Because when you the stakes aren't so high. The fear yeah. doesn't have to come up so much. Yeah. You get familiar with the feeling and then you actually can and do take action on it. And then when great things happen out of that, it builds the trust. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And then, yeah, it's like, it's like building a relationship with your truth, right? Totally. Like you start small little things. And I was having this discussion last night in a workshop that I'm doing and you know, we were talking about trusting your dreams. Like this one woman was like, oh, you know, I have all these dreams for these things that I want to do, but like, I just don't trust it. Like, it's just like, it's, it's a pipe dream. It's, you know, it's just silly playing and things like that. And I said to her, like, what if you were having a conversation with your really, really good friend? And she's like, I had this dream. I have this thing that I want to do. Would you ever look at her and go, uh, that's a pipe dream. Like, yeah. what are you, what are, what are you right. thinking about? This is just you silly playing. But yeah, we say this to ourselves all the time right? And it's like, because we don't have enough of a relationship with ourselves to be able to trust ourselves with. Yes. And yeah. And that's so good because we were talking before about like what it feels like to follow that thing that's pulling you. There's such a distinction in the feeling when it's your, your deeper self, your soul kind of pulling you or Mm. when that voice is talking to you. It's like one opens you up and feels good and the other one makes you shrink and contract and feel all kinds of bad, <laughs> whatever, you know, yeah. in your gut, in your, it could give you a headache. I mean, it could look like all kinds of different things, right? So just recognizing that the voices, the two, like if mm. we break it down, it's like two voices, you know? Right. One is very encouraging and one is very discouraging. It's just like you made that, yeah. you pointed that out to this person, right? Like, what voice are you listening to? Yeah, so uh, true. Yeah, building that trust is distinguishing those voices and trust and, and following the one that's encouraging you more of the time. Yeah. And doubting the one that's discouraging you or putting you down. Just go like just you don't have to believe everything you think is a saying. I don't know who said it the first time, but it's a great <laughs> saying. Isn't it? Isn't it? Like, you know, given that most of us have grown up in a culture and in a society where like the only thing that matters is what's in your head, like, you know, follow that thought, that emotion, that whatever, where we've learned to, and this was me again, like I ignored everything below my neck, right? (laughs) Like it was just, right? Until I started realizing that I'm like, oh, there's actually like so much wisdom in my body. Like my body's telling me things that are, yes, this is right. No, this, but I wasn't paying attention before. 
right? And now I'm at the point where like my body sometimes will react to something before my head has even had a chance to process like, what is that thing? My body's already given me a reaction, but it took some time to again, build that relationship with my body. Like, what does this feel like? What does that feel like? You know, and a good friend of ours, Elizabeth D'Alto, she talks about the yes, no truth practice. And like, again, doing it on small things and seeing how those small things feel in your body. Like, where do you feel your truth? Is it in your head? Is it in your left elbow? Like, where, where is it? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. Totally. Um, for everybody. What you said about like the feeling it in, in your body and, and, and you mentioned before about getting out in nature. Again, back in the corporate, when I was back in the corporate days, I would work out really regularly. I was going to say exercise or movement, not exercise, but movement can really mm. help you trust your body more and hear your own truth more easily. But for some people, perhaps we need to make a distinction that there's a difference between exercise to stay fit and movement to connect with your body. Yeah. Which so. all comes down to intention, right? right. Like <laughs> I'm right. going to the gym because I want my body to look a certain way versus, you know, I'm going to move some energy through my body and, you know, and tune into it. Like what's right. going on. Very, very yeah. different. Right. So just even continuing on what we were saying. So building the trust with your inner truth and then navigating the fear. So let's talk a little bit about kind of navigating the fear portion of that. So, okay. So you have this thing and you start to follow it. And then like you said, your experience a couple feet down the road, you're like, "Uh Oh, what have I done? (laughs) Kind of thing. And again, I I can totally relate to that. (laughs) So how do you then navigate the line between your truth and the fear? Right? Like, so now you're, you're in it. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Yeah. So much of this, even everything we've talked about, and now this fear piece is about awareness. Mm slowing down enough to become aware, which I never did back in the corporate days. Everything was fast, fast, fast. Days were fast and full, right? Yeah. So when the fear comes up, this is another opportunity to notice what's going on. So what we were talking earlier about like, where am I pulled in terms of following a deeper truth or a deeper calling, right? So that's one level of awareness. So now when the fear comes up and the shit's hitting the fans, can I say that on your show? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the old chicks no shit podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally allowed. Hilarious. Okay. What I certainly didn't want to do back in the day was feel my feelings that felt mm. like crap. Yeah. So the more connected we get, as this fear comes up, th- this is another decision point. It's like, am I going to sit and face what's here? Am mm. I going to, uh, that's my been one of my key things to navigating fear is letting it be there and be with it because I've learned the hard way that suppressing it doesn't work. No, that is so true. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it's a hard thing to sit with yeah. your fear because like you it just is. said, it's really uncomfortable. Like <laughs> it is. And our whole society is set up to run from things. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, every, everything, everything, never feel the fear. Good workaholism, overeating, over drinking. You know, some people have extreme situation, gambling or sex addiction. Netflix. <laughs> Netflix. What well, can be very minor or very major, right? Yeah. So, or pop a pill of some kind, right? To, to, I mean, we don't get a great training with being present. Yeah. And yeah. I, So I would say, again, it's another choice point. It's another decision point. Am I going to, so the first decision point, what we said before was, am I going to be true? Am I going to follow my truth no matter what? Okay, great. Let's assume we've made that decision. Now, okay, I'm going to follow that 
okay, I'm all inspired. I'm going in this direction. Yay, yay. And then the fear comes up. And so the second decision point around it is, am I willing to be with what's here when it arises? Am I willing to stay present? Yes. Because then yes. you will only, from my experience, you will only be able to continue on your true trajectory and be able to discern it, hear it, trust it, as you said, and be able to keep acting on it to the degree that I am not trying to leave something behind. Right. Right. right? Like uh, my fear is coming up. I can't sweep it under the rug because I will not be able to make, it just doesn't work. I have to be able to make this second decision. I am willing to be with whatever comes up in me on this journey as uncomfortable as it might feel. So you raise a really good point here about being present, which again, a lot of us have never learned that skill. You know, we're future focused or or past focused or both. And if we haven't set up some kind of a practice to allow ourselves to gain that present, mm-hmm. sitting, like you never would have that opportunity to sit with the fear or you, you, you would not be able to, like you wouldn't trust yourself to be able to, to deal with it or to sit with it. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's right. So, I mean, when people talk about, you know, the importance of meditation, you know, for the mind and everything else, I mean, it's so important, especially when you're on a soul path right? Because that is the way that you can, first of all, A, tune in to what's going on, that there's this fear coming up as opposed to reacting unconsciously. And then the second part is it gives you the space to be able to sit with that. Yes. Very right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we don't, we aren't taught that and meditation. I mean, some people don't like the idea of meditation. It's very scary. And for some, it's very scary because it does require facing what comes when you slow down that much. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if there's resi- if you, if, if you are experiencing resistance to someone listening to this, to the idea of meditation, meditation can simply be breathing, like mm. just yeah. stopping, literally put your phone, like put the timer on, on your phone for three minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour, right? Yeah. Start small, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, put your timer on. So you don't have to track your own time. I want to sit and I'm going to pay attention to my breathing. I'm just going to breathe in and breathe out and just notice what's going on here. Yeah. That's it. Like, don't make it harder, more complicated than it needs to be. It it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to ohm. You don't have to, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't. It can be so simple. And again, it's just that decision point. It's just that, that choice to be made. And I, I, I like to say this, and it, it's not for the faint of heart, but if you want to be on your true path, it's really efficient, this suggestion I'm about to make, which is do this exercise when you least want to. Mm, isn't that the truth? Yes. Okay. Like not just like maybe you have a nice practice every morning before you start your day, you do a few minutes with yourself. That's a beautiful thing, right? But it's when you're triggered by your partner or your kids or your boss or your client or whatever, right? It's the moment of trigger or it's the moment when you're about to turn in your resignation or, you know, or the night before and you're freaking out, right? That's the moment when you least want to that if you sit down and put your little three minute timer on and you breathe, that will move you 10 years in terms of progress. Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. And again, like you said, it's the hardest thing to do, but recognizing that, oh, like I'm in this place where I'm like a monkey mind's going, I can feel my heart rates, like that's more than ever (laughs) when you need to do it. But I know that's hard because I remember like when I started, like I was still in corporate when I decided I was going to start meditating 
And, you know, I thought I had to, you know, sit for 30 minutes. And I was literally going, this is torture. Like it was pure and utter torture. I'm like, how do yeah. people do this? Right. Yeah. And then I called it a big failure and then I didn't do it again for six months. Right. right. I was like, I'm not cut out for this. There are some people that that's for, that's not me. Right. <laughs> Ultimately right. I came around. Right. But right. now, I mean, I say this to my clients all the time and in my workshops and stuff, it's like, if one minute is what's attainable to you right now, like accessible to you right now, then one minute is what it is. And then maybe you go to two minutes or maybe you stay with one minute for a long time, right? Like whatever it is, just yeah. get to that place where you can have some sense of presence. Yeah, perfect. I mean, that's such a great example too. And I had the same thing. So I had just left corporate. I started doing my NLP training and my trainer, I was saying meditation is so hard for me. She was a regular meditator. She recommended it. And I was like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. And she was like, it's because you're afraid of what you're going to find out when you slow down that much. Hmm. You're, gonna, you're afraid of what's inside. And I was like, I remember the moment. Like it hit me <laughs> so hard. And the follow-on from that and what I want to pass on as a consideration is – it hit me hard, but I realized that if I didn't slow down enough to face what was inside and feel what was uncomfortable to feel, I was a slave to it. I had no freedom then. I, right. there, was, there was no freedom because these things owned me. Right. That's such a brilliant awareness that I wish I could say I had, but for me, it... <laughs> happened in the much more difficult way in that eventually, because I was like so afraid to, to, to slow down, to stop the doing, 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 that it got to the point where I got so sick that I couldn't get out of bed. And then I was forced into this place where, look, it, there's nothing else for you to do right now, because one way or another, the voice that was in my soul was going to be heard. Right. And I was not paying attention. I was fighting it. I was resisting it, you know, until it got to the point where I'm like, okay, this is it. Like I, there's nothing, like literally I can't get out of bed. I don't have the energy to get out of bed. Yeah. I can't go to the gym. I can't go to work. I can't, you know, go run errands. I can't. So I had to like literally sit there and sit with what was, and that was the beginning of it. So for people like smart people like you who get it up front, and then there's the slow learners like me. No, no, I don't want to, yeah, no honestly, I don't want to paint the picture. Like I perfected it from the beginning. I got that yeah. awareness. It doesn't mean I did it instantly. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Like I, I, I will own that. I mean, I, I don't yeah. want to, I, I didn't, I just, I, I just wanted to pass on it. I'm not saying it's easy because I yeah. have had plenty and certainly even in waves, like there have been times over the years that I've made a breakthrough with the ability to sit and then some other surge of anxiety or fear comes up because I'm making some other new step mm. or new move that's expansive. And another wave of fear comes up and, and I have to remind myself or, you know, I yeah. can distract myself or not be as present as I normally am. And then I have to, so again, it's not one of these things that gets done once and, you know, yeah. it comes in waves and that's the practice. And I, I, I like to say, you know, mastery's practice of the basics over and over and over. That's yeah. the path. That is, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I say that in jest because everybody's journey to how they get there is different and yeah. it takes different inputs and different, you know, uh, impetus to get you to that place. But ultimately you cannot ignore the voice of your soul for too long before it's going to catch up with you in some way or other, your truth yeah. will come out. Totally. And it's a, it's a, such a powerful point to make because wherever, you know, the listener, you, the listener listening to this, like wherever you're at in your journey the sooner you listen, the easier the path. 
Yes. Yes. You know, there's, I don't, again, I don't know who to, to credit with this, but there's like a saying, the universe will start with, with, hit, you know, with a feather will tickle you <laughs> and then the brick and then the Mack truck. If yeah. you're not listening, it'll get progressively yes. louder, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like that's why, you know, there's a lot of us who kind of reach this midlife place where, you know, we've had very busy lives between careers and raising our families and doing all the doing for everybody. And then you get to this point in your life where you've been ignoring your truth for so long. And then you're kind of at a a bit of an inflection point where like, okay, menopause is happening. You're now moving into a different chapter. And if there is any kind of crack in the opening, that's where your truth is going to start to come out in a big way. Yes. Right. And so hence like the dissatisfaction that comes up or, you know, the nudges, the soul nudges, your dreams are coming to the surface. You're questioning things like that for me is the the door is opening for you now to be able to really tune in if you've been ignoring it for most of your life. Totally. Beautifully said. And one thing that pops in the, in my mind to say about that too, is that if you've been ignoring as I'd had and you had ignoring the soul's voice for in, in service to all these other people, you know, to serve all these other people, but put, putting self last, one of the voices that's going to come up is you're selfish. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, oh, yes. Right. Nobody wants to see you change because you've been like taking care of everybody all the time. You've been exactly. right. And there, and there's a lot of narrative around that in our society about mothers, about women, about, Yes. All kinds of things that are conditioned ideas of how we should be. And so I like one day a book's kind of have the domain name sacredselfishness.com. Sacredly love that. Sacredlyselfish.com because we have such a negative connotation with the word selfish. But really, how much more can you give? It's cliche, but how much more are you able to? Be a positive influence and an overflow of benefit to the people around you if your cup is full. I mean, it's just, yeah. but we still, we have the conditioning when the conditioning is going to come up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the oxygen mask theory, right? Like the put your own oxygen mask, mask first yeah. before you start helping other people, which is yeah. the thing that most of us don't do. And again, especially as women, and we find ourselves in, you know, resentment and burnout and all of these things because we are not filling our own cup first yeah. and without feeling guilty about it. That's the other exactly. part. That's 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 exactly it. Like this feeling selfish, feeling guilt, feeling shame, like heck no, that's some conditioning that that needs to be, again, witnessed, you know, had we have have compassion for it, we have space to to face it. But there's also in the slowing down and the ways we've been talking about, there's also the opportunity to question, where's this coming from? Mm -hmm. Where did I learn this from? Very valuable question. Yeah. Is this really mine? (laughs) Right? Right. Yeah, so interesting. And I think what's also really interesting is, you know, we we put our truth on the table and we follow that truth. And then, you know, we put the next truth on the table. So we might, we we know the first step, right? Mm -hmm. And then we don't really know the second step until we're kind of into the first step. And then the next truth gets laid out in front of us and we kind of follow the path of truth to get where we're going to go. Yeah. But when we live in a society where before I start anything, I need a project plan with all the steps. I need to know exactly how each one is going to look, right? you know, exactly when it's going to happen. And then we get down the path. The first thing happens, it doesn't look like we think we're like, oh, we're bailing. This is it. I need to go back to where, <laughs> where I was. And again, I've been in that place. I've been in that place too, right? Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about kind of surrendering to the process? 
Yeah. And how that's like how that's been for you on your own journey and then like how you counsel people. Yeah. Such a good question. So because it is, it, like, as you describe, it's like one step forward or two steps forward, one step back. It's like, ugh. I found that a really useful analogy or metaphor for this is like when you're switching computers, when you go like from PC to Mac, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Totally different operating system. Right. So the PC operating system which, I mean, I'm using that analogy because I did switch from PC to Mac. When I worked in corporate, it was a PC. <laughs> right. When I left to work for myself, it was a Mac. So I, I associate PC, and it doesn't have to be true for everybody, but just as an example, you know, I associate the PC way of doing things as, as like you said, mind-oriented. I need to know. I need to plan. I need to have all the steps laid out. I need to have a timeline. I need to be here by this year, you know, here by one year, here by three years, here by five, right? The whole plan. That's the PC. I've got it all mapped out. But this path, the soul path or the path of your higher truth, your deeper essence, the reason you're here is like switching to Mac, which has a totally different operating system and Mm -hmm. doesn't, it is impossible to plan everything out. There's a vision. So if you don't have a vision yet, it would be great to kind of tune in and, and, and say, yeah. like, where's where I want to go? Because without that, that's hard. So like, here's how I navigated it, right? One was I actually had something I knew I, and that was shown to me in Costa Rica. So I actually had it download spontaneously. But if you don't know quite yours yet, if somebody you know, is, is thinking, well, I don't know what my vision is yet. Well, that's like one of those opportunities. Slow down, inquire. Hmm. If I had all cliche again, but like useful, if I had all the time, all the money, all the resources in the world, yes, what would I be doing? That's a right. place to start anyway, right? A place to mm-hmm. start. Give yourself a little space around that question. Sit with it for a, a you know a few days, a week, a month. Journal around it. See what ideas pop in. And so, so the first thing is having a vision because then then there's enough of a of a pull, a purpose, a why for what, why I'm doing what I'm doing to, to carry me on this alternate path. Mm-hmm. But then like you referenced, this path isn't like the other operating system path where I see all the steps. I only see literally the one in front of me that mm-hmm. feels right in my body or yes. the synchronicity that shows up and the opportunity that feels really right or the person that I met and it just feels like a yes. And so I follow that. But the old impulse to try to control and know more than I do is that's where the sitting in the moment and facing the fear and the discomfort comes in. Yeah. Yes. So it's that kind of combination of things, having a vision that inspires me, that pulls me forward through the fear, knowing that I can really only know one, maybe two steps if I'm lucky at a time, because I'm going to keep being shown step by step, one step at a time on that path. And then as the fear comes up, giving myself some space and kindness to be with it. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's a really good fundamental framework for how I navigated. Yeah, because it really goes contrary to everything that we've we've learned, like literally since, since we were kids. Totally. Well, and that's, you know, because most of what we've learned is ego based. Yes. Which has a lot of fear to it, has a lot of attempt to control in it. And this other operating system or path, the path of your soul, the path of your truth is faith-based. You have yeah. to be able to trust enough 
without knowing all the ways it's going to work out, even being willing to have it not work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. There's no guarantee. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard to get your head around. Yeah. Hard to get your head around. When you're coming from that other, from that other place. Yeah. Yeah. But then here's the, the other application of faith is, well, but if it's not the way I think it's good, I'm going down this road, feeling pulled in this direction, the mind all automatically makes conclusions about the way they think it's going, Mm -hmm. the way it thinks it's going. But when life shows up, differently and things don't work out the way you think they should on that other path, then part of faith is, well, something better is coming. I'm being redirected, right? There's a reframe. So I guess that would be like a, a fourth thing I would say. And that yeah. how to navigate this other way is like, how do you frame it to adopt the belief that literally everything is working for me, is serving me, is supporting me, even if it's hard even if it's painful, even if it doesn't work out the way I thought it would, there's something better is coming. And I've had that a bazillion times. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Obviously not a bazillion, but I mean, I don't mean to say that it's like every day, but you know, I've I've had course corrects many times. Yeah. And I had to build that resilience and that belief, that way of looking at it, that framing of it that says, I'm okay. Kind of like parenting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right. When you tell a little kid, kid falls down, you tell the little kid, you're okay. Make sure that they're not bleeding. Right. Right. Like we're assuming they're okay. Like they fall over, they kind of start to cry. Right. You're okay. And then you encourage them to get back on the scooter or the bike or whatever it is. And and, and yeah, got to learn to do that for yourself on that path. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like many, many years ago, I read the book, The Surrender Experiment love that book. I know. The first time I read it, I was like, this is not for me. And I put it back on the shelf. I'm like, there is no way I can let go like of control that much. So for those listening, the surrender experiment is literally a guy who decides whatever opportunity is presented to him, he's going to do it to the best of his ability. And he navigates his way from literally living in a trailer in a field to becoming the, the CEO of a multi-million dollar software company. And he literally did that by surrendering to whatever life handed him. He just did the best he could. And I just remember reading that and going like, there is no way. And then I realized probably about maybe about a year and a half or two years ago, I picked it up again. And I was like, oh, I get it now. But early on, I was just like, no, there's just no way. Like, I just could not do it. And because we're just, again, like, if it's not 100% in my control, then it's not happening. And learning to walk that path where I'm walking this truth right now, and that I'm going to walk the next one when it's presented in front of me to this place that may or may not look exactly like I think it could be 100% better. And I think this is the other thing, right? We all assume change is going to be worse than where we are now right? It's going to look, whatever is different is going to be worse, but it could in fact be better, which is the part that we don't open ourselves up to a lot. So it's interesting. So I know you do a lot of work with executives and CEOs of corporations and things like that. So when those people come to you, what is it that they are like, what's the problem or the issue that they're trying to address? So they're by all accounts, successful people in the work that they do. So what is it that you work with them on what's the issue that they're trying to solve when they come to you? Yeah. 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 Great question. There's a predisposition that they want to be on purpose. They want to feel they're in alignment with what they're here for and they're questioning it. Mm. So the, the problem is, is not always extreme. 
maybe they're tired because they've worked hard. Maybe they feel, um, you know, because everybody's a little different, but like variations on these themes, right? So worked hard, used a lot of masculine energy to get where, mm-hmm. they're, where, where they are. And like you said earlier, their soul is nudging. Their soul is knocking, right? There's mm-hmm. more. There's more here. Something more. There's something. So they have these like this sense there's something else. And so maybe they're tired. Maybe they're even questioning if they want to run these comp- the company they're running. Maybe th- something has come up. Like it might not be in the business even. It might be in, in their personal life. And they notice that their way of responding, they're, they're losing energy. They're, there's something that they can't control. Mm. There's a crack in the control mechanism. Right. So I've had, so I'll give you a couple of examples. I had two CEOs come to me almost at the same time. Both said the same thing. They both were running these companies. They had been running them for a long time. Both of the companies were fine. Were, you know, everything, like they could just stay the way they were, but they both felt like, I want to know I'm on my right path. Mm. I won and, and both were very hard driving. Like they had really used their masculine to get where they were. And it was interesting through the course of doing everything that we're talking about here, really helping them to right. hear their souls more, trust their souls more, make these distinctions, these discernments, make new choices in more alignment, face the fears that were coming up, right? All these things in that process, as they trusted their souls more, you know, I, I'm a big believer that life responds accordingly. So, and this is one of those invisible things that takes some faith at first, but after it starts happening to you a number of times, you you see like there's way more going on here than meets the eye. Life starts mirroring. Well, it's always mirroring, but when you start taking the soul's path, life starts like morphing. This reality starts actually responding in a very overt, obvious way. And one of them, her guidance, her deep knowing, her soul was guiding her to take a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. She took a whole year off and it took her some time to put everything in place that everything could run while she was away, worked on the boundaries. What could people contact her for and not contact her for? Who did she need to hire? Like there was a whole thing that she put in place, but her soul was clearly pulling her to time away. And in the meantime, one of her big dreams and passion projects. She got recognized for that. She got an award for that. She got like all these things started falling into place for her to fulfill this very giving back to the community vision. Mm. And so she's, she's on that sabbatical now. The other one had an acquisition opportunity show up that was so aligned. The company bought this other smaller company that completely changed the energy, the culture, and her own excitement about jumping out of bed in the morning. It was so right, so aligned, and actually had so much meaning and purpose the way that, you know, she's still, she's in the process of building it now, and she's had like all this interest show up like really, really organically as she's like in her passion, like, oh, she's all excited building up this new division while the old division, you know, gets positioned to be run by someone else. So two totally different paths. Mm-hmm. But, but the things that were in common were, I want to be in alignment. I want to follow my soul's truth. I want to feel I'm making a difference. Yeah. I, I want things to be easier. I've been working very, very hard. And so some combination of those 
of those things. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's the same thing for everybody. It's that knowing that like, oh, there's something more. Like I, I, I remember having that same yeah. thing, like, you know, having worked really hard in my career to get to the place that I got to and like be sitting around a boardroom table and be going, this really what I want to spend the rest of my life doing? Like, how did I even get here? Do I even want to be here? Like all of these questions. I, I had no idea what the answer to those questions were, what, but the fact that those questions kept coming up. Yeah. And the same thing, like, I, I, yeah. I want to make a difference. I want to, like, I want to know that I left a mark somewhere yeah. on this planet. I left the planet better when I left, you know, when I leave it. And again, it's like, it's like you said, and had I actually honored those questions and sat with those questions, like we just talked about, probably would have had made a move a lot sooner rather than the course of events that kind of led me out the door anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Well, and it um, actually made me realize as you said that, a couple of other things that show up with executives is health issues, yeah, as you had, and relationship issues because they're not mm, there enough. Right. So in one area, things could be going really well, but then there's the dissatisfaction with some other part of their life that needs to be addressed. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Our soul is always talking. Always talking. The question oh. is, are we listening? <laughs> Are we listening? And, you know, like I said, I feel like, you know, if more than ever, I think midlife is the part where, like, I think those Brene Browns, like, Mother Nature grabs you by the shoulders and shakes you and says, you don't have too much time left. You better get going on wherever you're going to go, right? And yeah. I don't totally paraphrase and butcher what she said because it was much more eloquent than that. But it's, that is kind of the truth of what a lot of us are starting to experience at this time. And we don't know what, how to deal with it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so the answer is to go inwards. It's a different curriculum. It's a different trajectory. It's a different set of skills than we were taught. Yeah. And I love the operating system analogy because that is perfect. That is perfect. Yeah. 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 That's so true. Well, this has been amazing. Um, What a great conversation this is. Um, I think it's going to resonate with so many people. So if people want to find more of Lisa Berkowitz, where can they find you? Yeah, well, my website, which is my name, lisaberkovitz.com, or you can also get there by letsoullead.com. And for those who are small business owners, I have a, a Facebook group also that where I do a lot of uh, sharing of ideas like this called the Empathpreneurs Group. So you can look that up on Facebook. You know, people working uh, in corporate are welcome there too, but just we do talk about some, um, right. some themes sometimes about running a business. So those are the two LinkedIn as well. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, I will vouch for the empathpreneurs group because I'm in that one. And I've also done Lisa's programs, which have been amazing as well too. So any of you who are feeling the soul nudge and want to go deeper, look up Lisa online and uh, yeah, find out some more. Yay. Thank you, Jennifer. I adore you. Thank you so much. I adore you too. And uh, I love this conversation. And anybody listening, if you have questions at all, please DM me after this or even feel free to reach out to Lisa. But I have a feeling there's going to be some questions coming out of this one. So, And then share this. Share this with your friends, everybody. (laughs) Share away. Absolutely. And I'm happy to help. You know, I'm, I'm in your group too. I'm in the old chicks no ship group. And uh, so, you know, if you have questions and you listen and you're in the group, if you're not in the group, yes. come in the group. And if you're in the group, you know, tag me. Happy to Yeah. When I post this one in the group, I will absolutely tag you in the group. And then, uh, yeah, if there's questions or people want to go deeper, we can go from there. Yay. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lisa. You're welcome. Thank you. It was so fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs>
Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.